Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, good morning and welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. Uh, pinch hitting for us this week uh, because Corey Christen is on vacation is old friend Andrew Mundy, who was uh, sent out there to cover the game for DK Pittsburgh Sports and uh, figured we'd a good time to get him on the show and, and chit chat with him. How you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing well, Gary. Yeah, I was I was uh I was Corey for the week. <laughs> well, nobody can be Corey for the week because <laughs> Corey is a very unique individual, but um yeah, you got to see a game, man. I mean, it was it was kind of what Corey and I were thinking. We weren't sure which Louisville would show up. And I think the bad Louisville showed up. Problem is, so did the bad pit. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, what were your uh, observations, man? Oh man! Well, first of all, it was up in the up in up in the press box. It just it was a really rough game to watch. Um, Louisville, I I mentioned in my article that they their offense just wasn't there. It just just like you alluded to, uh, you know, Pitt wasn't really there either. Their uh, their defense played well, however, um, it was like. There were 10 major plays that Louisville ran on offense where they, out of those 10 plays, they got, I believe it was 227 yards. So it was really these chunk plays that kind of came throughout the game that really became the difference maker um, at the end. Yeah, and and Pitt, to their side, really didn't have any of those chunk plays. I mean, you had a a couple nice runs from Vanicanda, but, you know, he's going to get those if you just feed him the ball enough. Um, I, I think overall... It was a pretty even match of two teams that really had underwhelming offenses. And I would say Keaton Slovis really, this was about as disappointing as I've seen him perform since being here. And that's saying something because I haven't really been all that impressed yet. I would agree. He, um, it looked like he, uh, just wasn't making the right decisions, um, on two of his interceptions, you can see on his first one, he threw it into um, he threw it into pretty tight coverage. Uh, there was a linebacker out on uh, Kanata Mumpfield. Um, he just had really good inside leverage, and it was probably the easiest pick of his career so far. But um, 
Then on his second interception, there was just nobody in the area other than the Louisville DB. So, uh, and if you go back and watch both of those plays, you can see um, Pitt had, they had open receivers like in the flat. Um, Gavin Bartholomew was running up the seam on the second one on the opposite side of the field. It just looked like Slovis wasn't going through his progressions and was just sticking to one guy and really forcing the ball into into places where realistically he shouldn't have thrown in the first place. Yeah, when you really watch the team, there's a, there's a lot of uh, what happens with Keaton Slovis that you can kind of blame on the offensive line. The offensive line that was vaunted, we thought they were going to be really, really a good part of this of this football team. And they, they've been nicked up most of the year, so you know it's not it's not the the offensive line we planned on, but it's still a veteran unit. They're letting people free back there. I'm not blaming Slovis for every bad play. He's getting hit. He's he's really been shaken back there, but he has very little pocket awareness either to step up or to even sidestep a rush every once in a while just to buy himself that extra second or two. And that's just going to kill you in the college game. You you have to be able to, to to at least move side to side and evade the pass rush on occasion. And he just does not seem to be able to do that and keep his eyes downfield. I'd agree. And um, I mean, to your point about the offensive line, they they have disappointed, but really they they've they've been relatively healthy. The only significant injury I'd say has been Carter Warren, who. Uh, is out for the season now, but everybody else is uh, is coming back from from last year, I believe. And uh, Dixon was out for quite some Dixon, time. Too. Okay, Dixon yeah. was out. Um, but then to your point on Slovis again, he I feel I feel as if he needs to learn how to or when when to take the sack. Um, it looks like. I mean, whenever he's getting pressure on him, he's trying to force a pass into those coverages that uh, really just aren't working. Um, and said, you know, sometimes you, you just got to take the sack. It's better to lose a couple yards than to turn the ball over. Yeah, and turnovers were an issue for the Panthers as well. Not just the, uh, not just the the interceptions. They had some some key fumbles, and you know, Narduzzi is undefeated. When you were a running back and you fumble the football, you don't play again. And I really think they could have used a little more Rodney Hammond in that game. <laughs> so um, do, do you have any insight on whether um, he's in the doghouse or he re-aggravated something after his fumble? So we had heard up in the press box that it was a, an injury for the reason that he came out. Um, I didn't get much more than that. Uh, dudes didn't talk about it in his press game conference, but it, it doesn't seem to be a significant injury. It'll keep him out for some time, but uh, he, he was just taken out due, due to an injury, but I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, dudes wasn't happy with, with the fumble either. Yeah. It, it was uh, disappointing because he, he provides an element that I think they desperately need to kind of counterbalance Izzy and, when they when they don't have it, they tend to lean on Vincent Davis, and Vincent Davis only got one carry in this in this ball game too. It, it's odd the way they handled the running game because they weren't really trailing by a significant amount, and and one would think if 
Slovis is struggling the way he is, kind of adapt your play calling to to let the running game take over. But Louisville got pretty stout on that in the second half. Yeah, I actually I want to I want to point a little bit of attention to um, the Wildcat formation that they ran. They hadn't they hadn't used Wildcat. They might have used it once so far this season, but um, you know during this game they ran it four or five times in one drive. And it, it yeah. came with mixed results. Um, they they got stopped at the line once, but then the next, the other three or four attempts went for at least 10, 10 yards. I'm looking at the play-by-play right now. I believe it was ten yards. Uh, each of the um, each of the other ones were ran for. Not great though. Um, bottom line, it it just seemed like. Um... It seemed like it worked, but it's it's gimmicky, and it's always going to be gimmicky, and it's not something that you can do repeatedly throughout a contest, and and you know have the other side take it seriously. At some point, they know what you're doing. It's just going to be a sweep around the end with an extra blocker, and one of those blockers happens to be a pathetic quarterback that you know <laughs> has already been getting hit and isn't really looking to deliver a block. So let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's let's wrap up a little bit more about this football game. Welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Gary and Andrew with you this week. And we're going to start talking about the defense a little bit, Andrew, because we shouldn't let them off the hook just because the offense didn't score. And 24 points, not indicative of what we really saw. You know, I mean, it it wasn't exactly like a 24-point defensive performance it it didn't really feel that way it was turnover driven and the chunk plays that you talked about what did you have on that uh where where did it look like most of those balls were headed well first of all it wasn't really a 24 point uh defensive performance because uh well seven of those points were attributed to the uh, scoop and score in the fourth uh but for the chunk plays um I mentioned them earlier that they had 10 main plays, which uh, contributed 227 yards. Um, Four of those plays were passing plays thrown in the direction of Pitt DB Brandon Hill. And he, I mean, of those four plays, he gave up 97 yards. Um, And then there's a rushing play where he just, he just got burnt by quarterback Malik Cunningham. Um, Ended up saving the the touchdown and hawked him down. But, I mean, you can't – as a single player, you can't uh, be responsible for five of the largest plays of the game. It's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, you certainly can in the the pit defensive scheme because we've talked about, you know, Pat Narduzzi's love affair with leaving corners on an island. He's done it for a long time. It's also – part of the reason why Pitt produces so many successful secondary players in the next level, because they get used to being on an Island and they really showcase their skills and deficiencies at the college level, which doesn't happen everywhere. So it's good and bad yesterday or 
Louis, against Louisville, it was bad, I think. Um, Hill was getting exposed, and they just weren't going to give him any help. Um, when you face a team like Louisville, though, and, and Corey and I talked about this a little last week, Malik Cunningham is their offense. He is their leading rusher. He is their leading passer. He is their everything. They had him in and out of this game, and they still were unable to capitalize on on anything else. And I think that's probably what frustrated me the most. They got next to no pressure on him at all. Did you did you feel like that was scheme related? Basically, we're afraid to rush this guy because he might squeak out, or did you feel like the Louisville offensive line was just keeping them at bay? So that actually did happen a couple of times where we we got pressure into the backfield and he was able to escape and, and run for some yardage. But I mean, realistically, the uh, the defensive front just it looked like they were trying to get to him, but just weren't able to. Um, yeah. And I think that that's been an issue for the last couple of weeks. Um, the D line just, just hasn't been recording the sacks that they, uh, they have been in the previous years. Yeah. It seems like most offensive lines are, are trying to just stunt, uh, Kelsey in the middle and then they're, they're pushing everybody else to the outside. Or Cancy, I'm sorry. Cancy. Yep. And push everybody else to the outside and just let it kind of go past the quarterback, create that pocket, and it's working. You're not seeing anybody adjust back. And right now, Pitt doesn't really have super strong outside linebackers that are going to rush. So it's all coming from the defensive line. And and maybe Servassier Dennis every once in a while getting getting a little bit of a rush up the middle or they're popping him over to the left or something. But Man, he had to be in coverage pretty much the whole game. Or yep. spying. Yep, yep. No, he Servasia Dennis, he had a he actually had a really good game. Um just from just from the eye test. But looking at the stats, he just Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, that was that was my dog. <laughs> <laughs> um just uh stat wise as well, he didn't allow big yardage. He got to the quarterback. Uh he had six total tackles, three Three solo, a pass breakup. He he had a really good game. Um, so where do we go game, from here? And sorry? where do we go from here then? If 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 Keaton Slovis is this Keaton Slovis, and I think that that's becoming a safe bet. Um, uh, I've heard people say um, that the hype was out of control. The fans were going crazy. Well, you know, I remind people on Twitter: the fans didn't put him on preseason Heisman watch lists. You know, uh, scouts did that. Media did that. He he was there because of what he did at USC, and he's not the same quarterback he was at USC. The arm strength doesn't look the same. The pocket presence doesn't look the same. The command of the offense doesn't look the same. It's a struggle right now. It is. Patty an option. There there were a couple of mentions in in my story on on the website from people that just were really in disbelief. They were like, how, how was this guy a five-star quarterback coming out of high school? It like, is this the same guy? It, it does. It doesn't look like it. Um, five-star quarterbacks fail all the time. In college uh, yeah. football. He, so. It's, it's certainly been, been a ride. I, you know, I'm sure a lot of fans, myself included, just would 
like to see him figure it out. Um, many people don't want to give him the chance to figure it out. A lot of people are calling for Nick Patty to come back in. He's looking healthy. Um, he was taking number two reps and warm-ups down on the field. Um, yeah, I don't. I really don't know where they go from here. Well, um, let's play it out a little bit. You have you have Keaton Slovis. He's a he's a transfer, big name transfer too. You bring him into a team that you feel is relatively complete, complete because that's the missing piece. You need that starting quarterback. They didn't trust Nick Patty to be that, so they went and got somebody. That's Keaton Slovis. Here he is. He's underperforming. Now you have a decision to make. Do you go to Nick Patty? And in probably don't really have much more success, but at least he's been around this team a little bit longer. Maybe he's got a little bit more of a, a repertoire with some people. The other option there is keep Slovis in. And then if you're Narduzzi, do you have a problem where you're maybe going to screw yourself out of getting transfers if you don't treat Keaton Slovis in a certain way, if you don't give him a certain amount of opportunity? It's a tough know. decision, isn't it? It's tough. It's tough. Um, I do think, though, I, I don't think their their problems start at quarterback or end with quarterback. There's there's many things that they they kind of have to address. Um, their wide receiver room, for one, has. I mean, they they've been getting people open, not as many, not as, you know, not as much as you'd like to see. Um, and that's kind of where that we're, we've been talking about the quarterback decision making. Um, maybe you know it's the wide receivers not getting their breaks off in time. Um, you know, I thought coming into this season that, that the wide receiver room was actually going to be pretty decent, even after losing Jordan Addison. But I mean, it, it's looking it's looking like it's struggling right now. And then looking for next season, you're you're going to have to restructure pretty much your entire offensive line. Uh, with all these guys, or uh, I believe most of them are coming back for their fifth year, right? Yes, most of them are like super seniors already. So it's going to be a difficult transition year one way or another. They're losing their best wide receiver as well, most likely. So, But uh, the only other thing I wanted to touch on on this game in particular was Bub Means. He didn't play the entire first half. Um, I saw him play about twice in the second half what was the story there i mean (laughs) was he being punished at all or was it just maybe a bad practice week or nobody said anything i i didn't hear anything um he came up completely empty on the stat sheet no receptions um i don't know we nobody addressed anything uh we really talked about anything in the press box, in the in the media room after the game, the press conferences. It was just, I don't know if it was like a scheduled rest week for him. I mean, that wouldn't make sense, but yeah, it seemed nothing. it seemed like a little bit out of place. He was looked at as at least one of their top three wide receiver options coming in here, and he has been treated as such with targets all year, and then suddenly he's just off the depth chart. Um, I thought that was a little bit odd, especially given the struggles in the passing game to take somebody away that maybe Slovis has started to develop some chemistry with. Um, 
he has had some issues with drops and fumbles, so maybe that's another, you know, Narduzzi learning moment type thing. But either way, all in all, a pretty disgusting performance from Pitt. I think that's pretty easy to say. At four and three, um, you're pretty much down to hoping that the Coastal stinks as bad as they look like they're going to stink. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because that's your only path to any kind of relevance this year is to take the coastal, um, and I and I, I suppose they could still do that, but they've got a rough road ahead of them. Some tough teams that I don't know that they're going to be able to take down. We'll see. Yeah, UNC next week's going to be tough. But um, Jared Wayne, after the game, he was asked, you know, do you think, do you think uh, the ACC championship is still something that's within reach? And he said. Uh, his his exact quote was, you know, we're we're a damn good football team, and I'll leave it at that. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad he feels that way, and I, I hope that they are able to turn it around. And the coastal is still within reach because Miami has underwhelmed almost just as badly. So, we'll see what happens. Um, I know Crystal Ball is probably just as happy as Narduzzi right now. So, it is what it is. Let's wrap up football. Let's take another quick break. Let's come back. Let's talk a little bit about pit moves. All right, and welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Andrew and Gary with you, and we're going to wrap up with some pit hoops because pit hoops is, you know, a work in progress that we knew was a work in progress, whereas the football team is a work in progress that we kind of were hoping were a little more chiseled, right? So the basketball program opened up their exhibition play with uh, a non-surprising victory over Clarion. Uh, they, they beat the bejesus out of the Mandrew, 103-51. to This was not a contest in any way, nor should it have been. Um, what did you notice? Uh, because John Hughley is still hurt, so uh, we didn't get to see basically how the offense is going to run with him. We already know about Dior. We know he's not going to be around. So this is at least four-fifths of their starting offense. Yeah, so what did well, you think? You say it was an unsur- unsurprising victory, but we uh, if you rewind to about a year ago, a year ago from the day, um, they kind of just barely squeaked out a win over Gannon in their first exhibition game. Um, but yeah, without Hughley in the mix, um, Guillermo, uh, Guillermo Luis Diaz got uh, a lot of minutes. Oh, sorry. Guillermo Diaz Graham. Uh, Gar- the Diaz, the Diaz yeah. brothers are, are confusing, but I get you. Man. Uh, he got a lot of minutes, and he he actually looked like he he played pretty well. He got uh, just looking at the box score here. Uh, he got three rebounds um, on twenty minutes, so he got a lot of playing time uh, with a plus twenty eight um, in the points category while he was on the court. I mean, so that's obviously encouraging because they were hoping to get a lot out of these transfers. And, you know, you had Nellie Cummins look pretty decent in his um, first start there, getting 16 points, four assists, and six steals. And the steals in, in, in particular 
were really impressive. There's some really quick hands, and I, I could see him doing some damage to a lot of people in the backcourt, you know, in transition with, with some of those, uh, some of those reactions. Jamaris Burton looked all right with 18 points. Blake Hinson knocked down four three pointers, finished the game with 20 points. Not bad. You know, I mean, these are all guys that you kind of hope can contribute buckets. And overall, it looked like the offense was relatively polished. Again, I know competition has something to do with it, but they moved the ball really cleanly. Um, Looked like a lot of their offensive sets were working. Uh, It doesn't look like they were changing their offensive scheme from year to year. So that's nice. At least they seem to be running the same sets. Yeah, and I actually just want to talk about Federico. Federico, he uh, he played 19 and a half minutes, and from the field, he was five for five. And what, what impressed me really was just his physicality throughout the whole game. Um, yeah, he he was a big player, uh, big on the court, uh, impressing the rebound, uh, and just just putting his body on people. Been a minute since Pitts had a real big man too, so yeah. that would that would certainly change. And in ACC play. If you don't have a big man, you're in a lot of trouble. Good I mean, luck. you need yeah. you need two things in the ACC more than anything else: a big man and a shooting guard. <laughs> and Pitt has had neither for quite some time, so it's good to see some options start to step up. I did see some nice shooting. Uh, really, again, I don't want to put too much on, but Blake Henson looked really good knocking down all those three pointers, and a couple of them were pretty contested too. So. It's good to uh, it's good to see the rhythm start to develop there, and um, the backcourt needs to be strong here. And until they get Hughley back, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to to score points. I think, especially once they start playing better competition. Yeah, no, I think Federico will be will be a big part of that. Um, how about it was good to see Nike Sabandi back first game since twenty twenty. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people even forgot about the guy, to be honest with you. He just kind of seemed like somebody that was never really going to ever make it. And it's nice to see him out on the court a little bit, too. I I think I've I've gone ahead and pushed down all my expectations for him that I had built up a couple years ago because of all the injuries and whatnot. But we'll see what happens there. It could be an exciting year for Pitt pit hoops. I mean, uh, the real schedule starts on November 7th against uh, Tennessee Martin. And then the backyard brawl is November 11th. And then you go right into a Big Ten challenge. So, I mean, it's going to be an interesting start to the season. They're not going to play cupcakes from the from the, from the the jump. So, um, yeah. we're going to get a real vision of what, what this team looks like pretty quick. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be a great team necessarily, but they're you know, I, I would expect a few uh, unexpected wins um, throughout the season. I think that's probably the, the most positive way to look at it. I think there'll be unexpected losses as well because uh, I don't think they're they're really polished yet. But I do think by the time they get into solid ACC play, I think you're, you're probably going to end up feeling like this isn't a basketball team that should wind up dead last. Now, bottom third, I think, is is probable, but I don't think uh, dead last this year. I think they're, they're going to be able to take a little bit of a step forward, and then it's really about can he keep this team together because that's yeah. been the issue every that's, single offseason. Yeah, that's but, to put it lightly. It's um, it's definitely been a struggle, the uh, off-the-court issues. 
uh, yeah. at least in the past four years. But so, Andrew, thank you for pinch hitting both for Corey on the road and uh, Corey here on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. And I know it was difficult to uh, get it scheduled in there, what with all the travel being new to you and everything. So, thank you very much for stepping up and taking care of this, brother. Oh, thank you for having me on. I, you know, I had a great, great weekend down in Louisville. I was able to get back uh, pretty late yesterday. Um, and yeah, I'm, you know, it was a great experience. I'm, I'm happy to be able to help out. Awesome, man. Hey, and every time we end this show, we end it one way. Even if they, they're coming off a, a tragic loss, hail to pit. Yeah, hail to pit.